Enjoy this Wild Soul Gathering production. I'm Dr. Sandra Marie. Pour yourself a really tall glass of spiritual curiosity and join me for the happy hour for the Spiritually Curious Podcast. In the spirit of happy hour, cheers to some new insights, peace, revitalization, and perhaps an aha moment that may change your life. Hi, welcome to the show. Today in the studio, we have Linda Alley. Welcome to Happy Hour for the Spiritually Curious Podcast, Linda. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, Sandra. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I know that you're a wealth of information, and you certainly have lived a lifetime of experiences that you can bring to the plate here. You're an international speaker. I know you travel a lot. You've been to 35, 45 countries, I believe, and probably have added on since last I've spoke with you. I haven't quite gotten to the 45, I don't think, but somewhere between 35 and 45, yes. I have lost count now, but I love it, you know, because each country brings something new. Fair enough. You're also a best-selling author, and you are the foundering of Always Follow Your Bliss. And I'm really excited to get into that a little deeper as we move into the program, but I want to start with Helping people connect has always lit you up, and teaching on some level has always been a part of your life. You've more recently moved out of that corporate life that's consumed you for a lot of years and had its own unique path into a different path focusing on mindset and spirituality. What I would like to start with is, can you talk a little bit about what mindset and spirituality means to you? Yes, that's a great question. So for me, spirituality is knowing that you're connected to a power greater than you. And it doesn't have to be any particular religion per se, but it's often considered, you know, God, source, the universe. There's many different names that people give this. For me, spirituality is knowing that there is a connection to something greater than you. And for me, that connection I've noticed has always had my back. When I've had a challenge, when I've been at the end of my rope and not sure what to do, something has always worked out that things have happened. And so that's given me confidence that there is something there. Now, mindset for me often deals with that part of you where you grew up with a certain pattern of rules, rules and habits that you developed that are not generally yours. They're generally the the people that raised you. Could be parents, grandparents, could be the culture that you were raised in, could be influenced by teachers and things as well as what you learned at school. And oftentimes these patterns were developed in our childhood before we can remember, because we generally don't remember things before the age of six. And consequently, we develop patterns that help us cope with things that we don't understand, that we can't rationally figure out what was actually going on. So we make a meaning out of it that's not necessarily the best meaning for us as we grow into adulthood. Problem is, it's in our subconscious mind and we're not aware of it as we get older. So there is these mindset, is the those limiting beliefs that we often carry with us without ever realizing them or questioning them. Yeah, those limiting beliefs, I think you bring up a good point that a lot of our belief systems aren't even ours, that they come from some other source that were ingrained in us. They really do stick with you well into adulthood. And it's it's interesting to really make a conscious effort to be aware of them is one step. And then the other step is to work with them. And it's not always so easy to do that. 
When we were catching up, you mentioned people sometimes misinterpret spiritual purpose. And that felt pretty powerful to me when you said that. Can you expand on that a little bit? Our spiritual purpose, oftentimes it can be expressed in our day-to-day operations without even us doing anything per se to express it, if that makes, I don't know if that makes any sense to you. And let me see if I can explain it better. For me, I always was searching for what's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose. And I kept thinking that it was something outside of me, that I should be doing this or should be doing that. It's not always a doing. Sometimes it's a doing. Maybe you're called to be a beautiful singer or a a world-class surgeon or something along those lines. That could be your purpose as well. And that could be a spiritual purpose. But for me, it ended up more who I was being, especially in our Western cultures. We don't slow down enough to even realize who are we being. It's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? We're, We're frantically looking for the next thing to do. And we often don't take that time to just slow down. Who am I being in the moment? Am I being a loving, caring person? And one of my trips that was just a spur of the moment in some respects, because it was, I had planned a different trip, but this one came up right after it. I'm like, okay, let's do both. was a trip to Egypt. And that's where I met you actually. And because of that, one of the people that was on there was a medium she said to, you know said something to me that just got me questioning it's like i thought she'd said it to everybody no nope, she had said it just to me huh and so i had the opportunity to ask her what did you mean and she said you know cuz she had talked about holding space and i said you know what did you mean by that i've heard that before but what did you mean by that and she goes oh well when you oh 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 you don't know do you <laughs> and i'm like no what she goes you're a channel to the divine. Just that is who you are. That is your purpose in life is to show up and allow the other people to be who they need to be and have they have this unconscious permission to be the their either their best or sometimes their worst self. And that just answered so many questions for me throughout my life of things that had happened and that just was a missing piece that made all those other puzzle pieces come together and make sense for my life. Well, that was definitely a special trip. And it was interesting because most of us had an interesting story how we ended up there and actually traveled solo to the trip. So it was a group of people getting to know each other. And I would say pretty much everyone on the trip would say they had life-changing experiences that were unique and different for each of us because you helped me out with my own. And I would say that as you're sharing that, I think Holland Rand, is that her name? Hollister Rand. Hollis Durand, I was close. Very special lady. As you were speaking that, I mean, that sounds life-changing. Was that a life-changing message for you? It was. And it was because it allowed me to just relax, realizing that here I had been fulfilling my purpose all along. And again, in retrospect, you know, because we say that hindsight is twenty twenty, with that missing piece that she gave me, I was able to reflect back on relationships and things that had happened in my life. And I could see that it wasn't necessarily about me doing something there. It was about bringing that space 
to that relationship for it to do what it would what was ever going to do for the growth of both parties involved. It just totally changed the direction of what I've been doing because of it. It's no, it was no longer like, all right, I'm getting out of this. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm like, okay, I'm doing it just by showing up. So consequently, it's like, what would I love to do right now? So there we go. You know, you would think that that's an easy question to answer, but it it really isn't. And I think that that's very powerful what you said, because so many people are searching, trying so hard to figure it out when perhaps there's not a whole lot to figure out. Now, you have received a lot of messages throughout your life, like many of us have. Some of us realize them, some of us don't. You have some you have some unique stories to share. Would you be willing to share the story about the car radio with the listeners? Ah, yes, the car radio. That was a fun one. At the time, I was involved in a relationship that when I started it, I knew was not going to be a forever relationship. But, you know, I didn't quite know when it was going to end. I just knew it wasn't a forever relationship from the get-go. And as we were going along, we'd been going out for about a year, a little over a year, and things started to get a bit rocky. But every time I'm like, okay, this seems like the end, all of a sudden, miraculously, things would work out and we'd go on for another couple of months and then it would get rocky. And I I was running the question through my mind, do I stay? Do I go? Because I wasn't still trying to figure out how much of this is just normal relationship criteria, you know, that you, the rough spots that you have to get through and how much of this was potentially the what I anticipated in the beginning that it wasn't a complete one. So anyway, this one day I was running a bunch of errands and I was just going along with that question in my mind, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? And I was driving my car that the radio hadn't worked in about six months in the car. So I get to my first destination. I go in, I come back out, I turn on the car, Radio's working. Oh, wow, this is cool. Country music. I never listened to country music. So it's like I change the station to soft rock and drive on down to the next place, get out, do my errand, come back in, turn on the car, no radio. Like, oh, well, well, it was nice while it lasted, you know, and I go on. About an hour or half later, I was driving down the freeway and I'm like, it, it hit me at that point, it took me that long. I'm that dense sometimes. The song that was playing on the radio was she wrote goodbye in red lipstick on the bathroom mirror, which I didn't even know was a country song because I don't listen to country music. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, sometimes I'm dense and yeah, I was dense enough not to listen to it that day, which I probably should have. But in the end, everything worked out the way it worked out. I think that that's a great story because we ask a lot and we're given. And many times, either we're not paying attention, we don't want to hear, it doesn't quite look the way that we thought it might look. I think that that happens a lot, that it doesn't quite look the way that we think it might look. I'll have to say there's a number of times that I don't get things in the moment for sure. When I ponder it or it pops back to me, maybe sometime in the future I go, just like you did, okay, I guess I guess I did get that. Yeah, and it, that that was just great. It it is interesting to see how those those little things, you know, people that have told stories about books falling off the shelf and opening to a page and it's exactly what they need to read. Yeah, there's even jokes that have been told around that around in spiritual circles or religious circles more than like a, a joke that, you know, where a 
pastor couldn't come up with a sermon and didn't didn't like the sermon that God gave him to do. So he opened the book again, and it it was you know God telling him, yeah, okay, then never mind. <laughs> it it doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like. And Napoleon Hill talks about that in Think and Grow Rich that opportunity often comes disguised as misfortune. So we're looking for what's that next thing we need to do, but in our mind, we need it to look a certain way and then we'll know it. And when it doesn't look that way, well, that can't be it. And it oftentimes is. Well, that Napoleon Hill, that's a pretty powerful story. Do you want to go into that just a, a little bit more? You know, his book, Think and Grow Rich, that he spent 20 years of his life interviewing the top people in the world, the richest men, the most successful men in the world for 20 years when he wrote the book. It was a, an assignment, actually, by Andrew Carnegie. The book is not, it's not something that you can read just once. It's something you truly need to study to learn all of the lessons. And I've been fortunate enough to have teachers that have done a lot of study, so they've helped and given clues along the way of, of that type of thing. But that is one of the sayings. He goes, when opportunity appeared, it came from a direction or, or appeared in a way that was a misfortune. And I'm not quoting it directly because I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it essentially that it came in the guise of misfortune. And I can say in my own life, that is definitely true. At one point I had a job in the, in the mid eighties and the job itself was literally killing me. I loved the challenge of the job, but the environment that I was in was so toxic. It literally was killing me. I, you know, I had all these ideas of how it could be better. You know, I could do this, I could do that, I could do this. Well, that isn't what ended up happening. What ended up happening is I ended up leaving the company, my choice, but spur of the moment, having no clue how I would eat in the following week, having my life completely change, spin on a dime, pivot in a direction I was around me. I could have done it the whole time, but I never saw it until I had to see it. I basically designed a life I loved living in 30 days. Wow, that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. I think that those words are going to have a, a lot of impact on, on the listeners out there. I'm going to shift course a little bit. One of the big topics, especially when we start talking about spirituality, is manifestation. We have Abraham Hicks and you know, a lot of people talk about manifestation and the laws and the principles, honestly, are pretty simple and basic. Yet, most of us seem to struggle with getting the outcome that we think we're manifesting. You <laughs> have a great almost Hallmark movie-ish little story to tell about not being able to, not, not having the cash for a bill at one point. When I heard you talking about it, it you know, I was engaged in listening, but as we really delved into the outcome and you spoke more about it, you talked about how you thought differently and what the words that you were using, I thought, wow, that was really powerful. You want to share that little hallmark moment? Back in when I had this corporate job and I was living paycheck to paycheck, but I had a rule for myself. And the rule was that I always pay my bills on time. That was a underlying rule for me. And this one particular week, I'm getting ready to pay the bills and I'm looking at the check coming in and I don't have enough money. I'm short. It wasn't much. I was short $20, $25. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but I was short. I didn't have it. The Thursday night before the bills are due on Friday, Thursday, I come home from work and I have a check in the mail 
from a store that was a refund for something that I put a deposit down on. But here's the problem. I don't remember ever having visited that furniture store. I know I never put a deposit down on a piece of furniture, and yet here's a refund check that was exactly the amount that I needed to pay my bills the next day. It's one of the things that has actually given me the confidence to know that there is a source that has my back because that it little things like that have happened over and over again. But the difference was, is oftentimes people say they want more money in their life. But the problem is they focus on what they don't have or the fact that they have debt. I was like, oh, I don't want this debt. I don't want this debt. Well, the subconscious doesn't understand the negative. It only understands the positive. So it hears, I want debt. I want debt. You're focusing on the debt. What we focus on, we get more of. And it seems like such a subtle difference, but it's a subtle difference that makes a huge impact in your life. And Abraham Hicks often talks to that, actually. It's that little nuance of focusing on what you want, regardless of what you're seeing out in outside circumstances. And that's how you'll get what you want. You have to believe that it's possible, even though you're not seeing it at the moment. And it's, it's a challenging thing to do. Oh, it's very challenging. It's an area of opportunity. But I think that that's a frustration with many of the people out there that are very focused on the manifestation process and their outcomes. So for you, the focus, you put your focus on, I always pay my bills. The focus was a positive, I always pay my bills. And then the outcome was the resources to pay my bills versus I really need 20 bucks to get this bill paid, right? So that was sort of the mindset difference in it. Yes, it was, it was the, it was, I was focused on the fact that I always pay my bills versus I don't have the money to pay my bills. It's that I don't have the money. Okay. You don't have the money. Okay. We won't, we won't give you the money if you don't have the money. Okay. But that wasn't my focus. My focus was, and it wasn't, how am I going to get it? It was just, I always pay my bills on time and it just showed up. As a kid, it was funny. As I when back when phone booths were a thing, I would always find money in phone booths. I mean, and sometimes two and three dollars, not just a quarter or a dime. I would find two and three dollars in phone booths all the time. Well, that's a big score because I remember phone booths very well and walking by them and you'd always stick your hand in there to see if there were any coins in there, get a, a dime. Back then it was a dime and then a quarter. So you were scoring pretty nicely with that. Good for you. Let's get a little bit into your new path right now. I know that you have this new thing, Always Follow Your Bliss. And I was thinking about that and I, I was like, I don't even know that I can define my bliss. But I know that you're looking to empower women to design some joy in their life. And you've got some pretty unique certifications that you went through and tools that you use with this new path that you're on. Tell me a little bit about Always Follow Your Bliss. Knowing that I was going to interview you, I spent a lot of the weekend trying to ponder how I would answer that question, like, what is my bliss? It goes back to, I think, what we started the show with. We search and make this harder than it is, and it's right in front of me. Exactly. Exactly. This started back when I left that corporate job and redesigned my life in 30 days, not even realizing it. And the fact that I made such a drastic change so quickly is what got me studying universal laws. I've spent eh, the last three, 
decades and three and a half decades studying universal principles, personal development, and that through all that, I did get the coaching certifications that I've received. And it was mainly done for myself, but I also ended up using it with clients because I was doing accounting for the longest time. I just closed that business last year. And I would use it with the business owners and things like that. And to see the impact that it would make in their mindset that would shift their business and get them the results they were looking for. Oftentimes it was their mindset. But at the same time, I was following my bliss. I loved horses. I've loved horses since I can remember. I, in fact, there's stories that were told of me when I was two that I don't remember show that I loved horses. So I started training horses when I was 12. And I've always been involved. I've always had horses in my life. And I wanted to take it to the next level, to show more, to get into a a more national level. And so I did follow that bliss of training horses. And for 20 years, owned also owned, besides the accounting, I also had a horse farm where we would breed and train and show and things with my, as well, I did that with my daughter as well. And we had a decent amount of success with it. But it was in following that bliss that it ended up creating a financial circumstance in my life that was phenomenal for me when I closed it down that business. I never went into it with that in mind. I went into it because I just loved horses and I wanted to be around them and I wanted to train them and do that type of thing. Oftentimes we look at, well, this is what I'd love to do. Oh, but I can't make any money in it. And we immediately negate what it is we love to do. And maybe it's not something that we do full-time. Maybe it's just something that we do part-time because we love doing it. But we often spend so much time in our head going, but how am I going to make this? Or how am I going to make this work with that? How is this? And that's not where our true path lies. Our true path lies in our heart. And if we follow our heart, for me, source is always there to give you what you need. You'll always get what you need when you need it. Definitely been true in my life. And then sometimes you end up with a big bonus gift that you never expected out of that situation by following what it is you love to do. But even on a, from a practical standpoint, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. That's true. Do what you love, love what you do. I think that that's important. You made a statement that was very powerful to me. We have a very global listenership, but I'll say the Western world's here in the United States. And you said, we've become the richest nation by giving up the things that are the most important. Exactly. That just struck such a chord with me. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Or, or honestly, I think it just speaks for itself. It, it does speak for itself. But for somebody who may not realize, you know, we've become a nation that we, the only thing that seems that we've been striving for lately is wealth. How can I make more money? Thinking that money is going to solve everything. Yeah, not usually. I mean, it does make some things easier for sure. But then in the process of this striving for money, we're sacrificing our relationships. We're sacrificing our health from the stress that it's under. Again, back in the mid 80s, I was very close to being hospitalized from the stress that I was under by doing this one job. And again, I loved the challenge of the job, but the rest of the environment just wasn't there. In the United States, unless you're in a very high level management, if you're lucky if you get two weeks vacation a year, 
you're lucky. Whereas in, I know in most of Europe, they get about six weeks of vacation a year because they value the fact that, yes, you need to de-stress. Yes, sometimes your best ideas come from moments of play. Many times people will, it's like, why are they playing golf on Wednesday? Well, that they're just out playing. But oftentimes taking your focus away from what it is you're intently focusing on and not seeing and just lets your subconscious come up with ideas that float to the surface when you least expect them. How many people have woken up at three o'clock in the morning with a great idea? And if they don't write it down, it's usually gone by the time they wake up at six, seven, eight, whatever time they decide to get up. We get so focused and so in our head in the, in the United States that we don't allow this being led from the heart to show up. And oftentimes, again, it doesn't always look like an opportunity at the get-go. So we think we're doing what it is, and it isn't until we get older and we realize what it is we've sacrificed to get there that we then start going, was it worth it? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of people having that conversation with themselves currently, and there's a big shift. Having lived international, it really was very eye-opening to me with other countries, with maternity leave in Ireland, a woman gets a year off to take care of her child, bond with her child. Uh, the whole holiday, vacation holiday, people live for it. And I would have people ask me, like, what's wrong with you people in the United States? You know, like you just work, 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 work. It was definitely eye-opening and started taking me down that path of what have I given up for this? But you're seeing a lot more right now, or maybe I'm paying more attention to it, but I, f I feel like it's out there and, and we're, there's a lot of toxic work environments and I've certainly have experienced my fair share of them over my career. What I've noticed is that you're seeing these younger generations saying, no, I'm not doing this. I will not, and it, many of them are very articulate about it. It's not that we're lazy. It's not that we don't want to work, believe in the work-life balance, but their tolerance for the toxicity, which many times gets them labeled as lazy and not wanting to work, they're just not there. It's not like I would say it, it was with the baby boomers where we had that baggage and those belief systems. That's what we were supposed to do. But I'm definitely starting to see a big shift and a change with definitely with what that looks like and more of that reconnecting inside, reconnecting with yourself, your spirituality. People are more interested in that. They're more open to it and they want more. Yeah. So if someone wants to work with you, what does that look like and how would they get a hold of you? Well, you can always get a hold of me by going to my website, alwaysfollowyourbliss.net or even Linda Ellie, and that's Ellie with has one L in it. LindaEllie.com will also take you there. And you can book a session with me and we can go through a, a complimentary discovery session to see what you need. I offer obviously coaching. And the coaching it takes the form of either we start with a three-month package if you want. We can do a six-month package. But it, I take you through a curriculum that I am a facilitator for that I discovered. And the nice thing about this curriculum is it is the fastest way I have found to get a, a good grasp on a lot of the spiritual laws. It's just, it's well laid out. It's been tested with tens of thousands of people over the last three or four decades. So it, it's a very good curriculum. That's the starting point for it. But with that, 
because I have other certifications as well, and because of between my accounting background, which gives the brings the finance and the business side of it to it, and the horse training, which brings the intuitive side to it, I'm able to custom tailor for each individual person things that they need. So while I might use that curriculum for the, is a three-month curriculum, I might use that as the base, I can bring in other things that specifically address things to to the individual's needs. So it gets them the fastest results possible. Wow, that's so nice and it's so needed. You know, there's obviously a lot going on globally. There's some angst about it. What would you like to share with the listeners about how they might navigate some of this for their spiritual health and their mental health? Well, for me, I think the the best message I could give to your listeners would be when you can remove yourself from the day-to-day and stand back as the observer, you can see things from a different perspective. If you believe, as I do, that as spiritual beings, the spiritualness of our existence is never-ending, it begins to give you less of a, of a hold to the physicality. Unfortunately, I see so many people that they think, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Having had a near-death experience and knowing that I could easily have just closed my eyes and said, I'm ready to go, and then it, that it would be harder to live through it than it would be not to, I realized that we have way more say in that type of thing than most of us realize that we do. But also, when you stand back and you look at it, it's almost like you're look, watching a play up on a stage. You know, things happen in the play. Some people, sometimes people die in the TV show or they die in the whatever, but it's not real. And in a lot of ways, from a spiritual perspective, the playing out our physicality on earth is much like a play. And it just, it cycles itself through and over. And that's a hard pill to swallow for many, many people. It's not something that we're taught. Religion was originally somewhat used to bring some laws to human nomadic tribes so that we could learn to get along. We could learn to get, you know, to not kill each other just because you're different from me. Let's kill each other. But over time, Fear is an excellent way of controlling people. And so when you bring in, either whether it's from the news or whether it's from religion, you bring in that fear of something, it's a great way to get people to con- under control. When you start questioning and you start asking and you start looking behind different things, it changes your perspective. And for me, it just gives that sense of peace that, yes, while it may not be what I want to see happening in the world, because I definitely don't. I do not understand why we can't get along with each other. And I often say, rather jokingly, it's going to take an invasion from Martians or something for us to become together as a human race and discover that it doesn't matter the color of your skin or your ethnicity, you know, or your, your religious belief. We're human and we need to fight these Martians, you know, but... I, I, why should it take that? You know, we're all humans just expressing that humanity in a different form. And as long as that doesn't impact my life, why should I care what somebody else does? It brings diversity. If we were all the same, it would be boring. It's just being able to step back and look at it 
as if you were watching a play and realizing that in some respect, it will all work out. And you'll get to see that later on down the road. At the end of the play, you realize what was happening during the play, or you found out the whodunit if you're watching a mystery or, you know, or something like that. I love that. And I do agree that there's a lot of intentionality with the fear that's out there. And it's like a, the last stronghold to control and hold on to it. I think my mantra for 2024 with the podcast is going to be, turn the TV off. <laughs> Yes. I will have to tell you a couple of years ago, and probably it was even longer than that, probably when I was living international is when I gave up TV, but I have removed it from my life. And I have to tell you, really, it's one of those things that you rec- recognize retrospectively, that it was so much better for my mental health, how I felt, my outlook on my personal life, and just my outlook in general. I would say, turn the TV off and don't be on your computer on whichever browser you use to be looking at the news and what's being fed to you. Funny story or funny to me anyways, I have a friend recently who was applying for some jobs and he's like, you know what I think? I think when you fill out an application, when it asks, you know, your origin, where you live, you should put earth. And when it asks about your race or who you are, everyone should just put human. He like had this whole thing with this application. And and when we were talking about it, we were in stitches laughing. But afterwards, we looked at each other and said, actually, this should be our reality. The other thing I wanted to share real quick, just because I've been gifted like you, the ability to travel a lot, I will have to say some of the most happiest people that I've met in places that I have been have been the absolute poorest, and I mean poorest, places on this earth, some of these third world countries. And I was just really struck at the relationships between people, parents and children, their happiness as they're sleeping on dirt floors and living a very, 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 what we would consider difficult or basic life. And I thought, but they're happy and perhaps we're not so much. That was just interesting listening to you talk about that. Any last words that you would like for the listeners? Well, it's interesting that you say that because one of the charities that I support, they're involved with putting schools in in communities. And one of them, which I actually visited on one of my travels, is in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. What they've done, which is different from many other organizations with schools, is they've done it from a grassroots perspective. And the story that what how that one got started was with Pol Pot, who wiped out all of the educated people in Cambodia in his reign of terror, which left the older people that were uneducated and the very, very young and all the middle-aged people were gone. Well, the older people, because of what happened, were afraid to allow their children to be educated. But this, the girl that started this school had left. She, got, she did get a degree. She came back and she found these kids just like she threw a chicken bone into the dump as she was walking past And like four kids scrambled to get this chicken bone to see if there were any scraps left on it, which is what started the school for her. They had to actually give the children rice to take home in order for the older generation that had lost their middle generation to allow these kids to come to school. We wouldn't have looked at it from a Western perspective. We would tend to go in and, well, we know what's best for these people. I don't know why we often think we know what's best for someone else without 
understanding their perspective first. There, there's just so much that because we've been programmed and we've been programmed by, you follow the money trail, we've been programmed by advertising. Advertising, it can be insidious. I turned off the TV. I definitely turned it off when I moved where I am now when I sold the farm, but I hadn't watched the news. I probably haven't watched the, the news in 20 years. It's made me a much happier person. And I don't feel like I've missed anything important because I do get a news feed that tells me the important things that are going on in the world. So I know what's going on. If there's a hurricane coming, there's an app there that can tell me, is it coming to hit me? Do I need to prepare for this? Yeah, so I'm not missing anything. And I'm sure so much happier than I was when I was watching the news because it's so fear-based and I don't choose to live in fear. I highly recommend not choosing to live in fear. As you said those words, I thought, I think that's our closing message. Choose not to live in fear. It is a choice that we make. It may not feel like it, but we can be the observer, as you said, but I don't get myself involved in it. My involvement is to sit in my heart and send love and peace. I do feel like every single human out there has power to influence and make a difference. That's how I make a difference without getting involved in it. The younger Dr. Sander Marie would be jumping in a car with a protest sign driving down to Washington, D.C. So, Linda, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank all the listeners out there for taking time out of your day to spend time with Linda and I. If you want to learn more about Linda, you can go to our website, wildsoulsgathering.com, and her information will be up there. Remember, embrace that wild soul and follow your bliss. Did I get that right? Always follow your bliss. When you're embracing that wild soul, always follow your bliss. I think both go together. Thank you so much, Linda. I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wild Soul Gatherings Happy Hour for the Spiritually Curious. To learn more about our guests, please go to our website, wildsoulsgathering.com. We're very eager to hear from our listeners what you thought of the episode, topics you might like us to cover in the future, your thoughts on spirituality, questions you may have. Please feel free to send us an email at wildsoulsgathering at gmail.com. This is your host, Dr. Sandra Marie, sending each of you peace and love. Until we meet again, embrace your wild soul.